0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the 48th episode of Slime Time, an official Dragon's Den Dragon Quest podcast. This is Liam Land. And this is Yangus, the legendary bandit. This is Pendy. So um, so this is going to be a little bit more serious of an episode. Um, we're doing a tribute to Koichi Sugiyama. Um, Uh, because we found out recently that he he passed away on September 30th. Um, So we did a music episode, the three of us actually did a music episode um, uh, a couple of moons ago, um, uh, just to celebrate Kojitsu Miyama's music, and we 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 started that off by kind of talking, and and I'm going to say the same thing again this time uh, that we don't want to focus on the politics the politics side. We know he was a very divisive person, uh, you know, personally, um, and we're not here to kind of debate politics or the type of uh, of things that he's said and done uh we are really here to talk about his passion for music and what he did to inspire all of us uh, through the games um so yeah uh that's that's all i had to start with um do we want to reflect on on Sugiyama's legacy Uh, and just thoughts of his music. Andy, would you like to start?
1: Sure. Um, In terms of his legacy, it's worth noting that when it comes to his legacy in video game music, at least in Japan, he legitimized video game music. 20 August 1987, he did the Family Classic concert at the Suntory Hall in Tokyo, the first video game concert in the world. And a lot of people don't realize that even before Dragon Quest, he was already a well-respected, and popular composer for movies, anime, and commercials. That is why Enix was so surprised that he agreed to compose for their video games, starting with a game called Wingman 2, based off a popular sci-fi manga of the time. Uh, Tsujiyama had written in on a comment card about a shogi video game that Enix had done, and a producer there got in contact with him, uh, and they asked him, hey, would you mind composing for a video game, and he agreed, and the rest was history. They got him for the Dragon Quest series after that, and, and there you go. Um. Also, fun fact: In uh, 2016, he was awarded the Guinness World Record for being the oldest composer in the world to compose video game music. Which, if he contributed to Dragon Quest Twelve, which uh, Square Enix of Japan has said that he did, he broke his own record. So, uh, pretty amazing. Wow.
0: Yeah, I I had had read information about that as well. That he at least finished scoring it. I, I don't know that he conducted any of it. Um, but yeah, that's that's going to be. I, I understand that Dragon Quest Twelve is is. Kind of an emotional game, or it's going to be a serious game to begin with. But to to have that be the last game featuring music that he wrote is going to be pretty powerful, I think, and in, in its own right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, um, I'm in terms of like his his legacy. I, I, just to add to that, um, you know, he started. Composing the first game in 1986, uh, first Dragon Quest game. Um, he's since composed uh, over apparently over f- uh, 500 songs uh, for the franchise in in 35 years. Um, I don't know if that includes any like all of the little jingles and and things that you uh, hear throughout the game that. That really don't constitute a full music score um or if there's... yeah yeah technically yeah. those ones do count they do count all right yeah because yeah. i was going to say otherwise there's probably a lot on the cutting room floor and maybe there are maybe there's like stuff that he wrote that didn't make it into the games um and uh and it has yet to be released because that would be pretty amazing if, if there was um you know sheet music out there that that could be produced after the fact uh and released on, on cd or something
1: yeah i read um, that uh that all those little you know like the level up the level up uh jingle and the, the curse yeah. and all that that stuff that because of his background working for commercials that that's why he was able to come up with such good ones like that because he was kind of used to coming up with short little sound effects like that for the commercials he had done that.
0: oh that's interesting yeah yeah, yeah makes, i mean that makes sense i've been i've been listening to him non-stop since i heard the news you know i Wife's starting to get a little pissed off, but uh, uh, um, it's it's just amazing to hear the difference in he he can kind of cross genres. It's not just classical. Then you go into the casino and it's like big band jazz, you know, or swing jazz, you know, and um, or he'll play the Egyptian scale to uh, for the pyramid theme and and make it more authentic sounding. Uh, or um he'll play in. Uh, a more Asian sounding scale. I know there's a Japanese scale. I can't think off the top of my head if that's what he used for the Zipangu or Jipang uh, score, but uh, it's definitely something along those lines. Um, So he's able to kind of uh, cross genre and not just do specifically classical, but uh, classical and jazz and then just other cultural music to kind of fit. Even the, um, the ghost ship from three um which got reused in builders two more recently i mean that's that's just straight up horror uh, the way that that he writes the kind of cacophonous strings just like screeching um but yeah he's he's uh penny you mentioned the guinness book of world records it's pretty amazing Did, does he lose that record for passing i mean that's that's kind of a messed up thing to say but <laughs> if you pass away do you lose your like who does that then transfer to the next oldest
1: no, no, no. I mean, that's something that he had he had done, like something like uh, he had he, at the time. He was the oldest composer to uh, compose video game music, so that's not something he would do. Okay. Oh, I see. Game I game see. You're the oldest living video game composer. Yeah.
0: Right? So somebody has to like if somebody is a video game composer and they get to ninety one, then maybe they would get that. Right. That?
1: That's okay. someone would have to Assuming that he gets it for for twelve. Uh, yep. Someone would have to like compose something at at 91 to be able to get the to break the record.
0: <laughs> uh, that's gonna be some score. <laughs> All right. Um, he he actually scored the music for a Godzilla movie, Godzilla versus Biollante, in 1989. Um, and that I did see. And know I asked you guys if you'd seen it, uh, and you you haven't yet. But I. When I was watching it, I was kind of giggling the whole time because, you know, and not just for the normal reason you would giggle at a Godzilla movie, but, uh, but, uh, it sounds like Dragon Quest music in a, in, you know, it, this kind of like adventure sounding music in, uh, in a Godzilla movie. And just, it's just kind of funny. It made, it just felt very, very familiar, um, on, on multiple levels. Cause I've seen a lot of Godzilla movies too, but, uh, but yeah, it was, it's just, uh, it's, it's entertaining to watch being a fan of both. Um, he, he lived to see his own music play at this summer's Olympics opening ceremony where the Dragon Quest theme was played at both the beginning and the end, uh, of the entrance music for the athletes.
1: Yeah. How great is that? I mean, yeah. I absolutely love that they used so much RPG music during the intro, during the introduction of the I mean, you got yeah. frogs, Elbow scheme from Chrono Trigger, the Final Fantasy yep. fanfare and, yep. and that thing where they have like the little girl in a fancy conductor's outfit which is then overlaid with various athletes competing with the Mm -hmm. rotos theme in the background i mean that has to be one of the greatest moments i've ever seen in sports or television history period i mean it's right up there with the other crazy moments uh favorite moments of mine like the helmet catch super bowl 42 and then they (laughs) then they use the the theme again to close out uh that part of the ceremony while the fireworks going off in in the background as they show the the stadium is was, was absolutely spectacular. Uh,
2: well, you know, there's always been the joke that the Dragon Quest Overture is the unofficial uh, Japanese national anthem. So <laughs> I, I think it being played at the beginning and, and sort of uh, emphasize that even more.
0: <laughs> I, lo- I also I love how they were the Japanese people were so excited that this was happening, that they, they spoiled it like they could hear they could hear them practicing the sound system it's like three weeks before this even happened, so we all knew something was happening. Yeah, you know, I, I had my camera ready, ready, ready waiting to take video. Um, but uh, yeah, so so then uh, I think it was the day, the day after, um, I get a text from a local friend of mine in Ishigaki, um, where I'm, where I currently live, and and uh, he's saying, hey, you know that elementary school across the street? Um, so you know, across the street for me is a park and then across the street from that park is the elementary school so i'll be playing in the park with my kids and i'll hear you know they're they have a marching band with big brass instruments and you can hear them practicing in the afternoons um and my friend texts me and he's like hey did you hear you know did you hear the news that you know koichi sugiyama donated those instruments and i've been listening to them for like a year and i had no i had no idea uh, so my friend sent me, uh, the mayor of Ishigaki put a tweet out, um, that said, uh, and I'm going to translate it here. Uh, uh, Mr. Koichi Sugiyama provided a great deal of support for the maintenance of air conditioners in the elementary school and junior high school classrooms in Ishigaki city. And for the purchase of musical instruments for the marching band, if it wasn't for Corona, I was really disappointed that I wanted to invite him to Ishigaki Island to conduct the teacher's music played by the children. We pray for the souls from the bottom of our hearts. So, yeah, I almost got to see him live <laughs> on the island. But uh, that, that, that—I just—it's—it's it's moving to me that um, he had such a love for music that he would donate in- instruments to several of the schools here. Um, and the, the the air conditioning unit. So this is a tropical island. So without air conditioning or proper air conditioning units. Um, and they didn't really have them functioning air conditioning units until around like 2017, from what I understand. Um, so he, he was part of a, uh, a crowdfunding project that uh, um, helped to add air conditioning units and maintain them in uh in this in all of the elementary schools all the public elementary schools in ishikaki and my friend confirmed it he's like yeah we didn't have ac growing up he's like i, I he grew up here he went to the schools here and they didn't have ac in in a tropical climate like this you can imagine and uh and uh koji Sugiyama provided a significant amount of money there's no you know they're not going to tell us what but what percentage or whatever but uh he provided a a large amount of money to support the maintenance of that of those air conditioners um and uh instruments for for the kids here so that's that's just something that kind of stands out in contrast when i see some of the like the toxic things uh said um and i know you know we're not going to get into into all that but um i think that people are far more complex than just you know that guy yeah than just saying things like oh that guy's an asshole or something like that you know because i've seen comments like that and i've debated them um but uh but yeah when i when i look at stuff like that it's just it's you, you can you can be you know um you you, you know I, I, it's at the end of the day i don't want to get into it but i just i thought it was very moving that um someone uh who is who can be so reviled can also be so generous And I'm still unsure of why Ishigaki, you know, uh, we're we're a small island in southern in like the southern Okinawa prefecture. We're in South Japan. Like, well, why? Why here? You know, what was his connection to here? Um, And uh, I still don't know that. I have no idea. Genghis, how about you? Well, I
2: can definitely tell you that uh, the news Waking up to that uh, the other day was definitely a shock because uh, Sugiyama, I'll be honest with you, even though I knew Sugiyama was getting up there in age, I always sort of assumed he'd be one of those people that you would never really hear about him passing away. You know, he's just going to be one of those guys that was always around for, you know, it seemed like forever. Yeah. <clears throat> I uh, I'm, I i am won't get into, you know, some of the stuff we learned about him, but I admit there were a few things we found out about the guy. and was just like, oh, you know, that's, you know questionable things. But it's like you say you can't just judge the person entirely for that one thing.
1: Because
2: I've always looked and what I've always loved about sugiyama is the fact um for his well for his music. That's why I've always loved the guy. Mm. Because that was one of the big things that uh, I enjoyed so much about these games when I first started playing them on Mm -hmm. my Game Boy Color. Uh you know a lot of the tunes from Dragon Quest or excuse me, Dragon Warrior Monsters, there are a few that are reused songs from Dragon Quest one through six. And when I eventually Mm -hmm. got around to the main series and started learning about, like, oh, okay, this one came from this game, this is the overworld from 4, this is the overworld theme from 5, you know, Mm -hmm. it was cool to see that connection that there was between uh, spinoffs and main games and stuff. But really, even with hearing those songs in their 8-bit renditions on the Game Boy sound system, they still, you know, stuck with me. And that's one of the things that Sugiyama's music has always managed to do, like even more so than like some other RPG soundtracks. Like uh, ever since hearing the news, I've been going through uh, my Symphonic Suite soundtracks on my uh, same here <laughs> on my, on my uh, iPod. Uh, haven't had too much time to listen to them, like just sit down, and listen to them all. But I'm currently like halfway through fours mm-hmm. and really I see a lot of people who always complain that Sugiyama's music always sounds the same, like there's no real differences. And I really feel like when people say that, that they're either just going in not liking the music or they're not really paying enough attention to like some of the differences between, you know, the vibes that, you know, like a town theme is going to have in one game versus another, you know. Like, just for example, like, Sugiyama's town themes are typically more, you know, upbeat and more cheerful. Mm -hmm. But I would never say, like, oh, Dragon Quest V's town theme sounds exactly like, you know, Dragon Quest IV's.
0: Yeah. Occasionally they sound like uh, Disney tunes, but... uh... And yeah, but really, that's just what he like. That's just
2: his style for that sort of environment, because, you know, a big town that's going to be more lively. So he makes his songs more lively. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. But I would never say like, oh, they sound exactly the same. I will no. say that in some of his later soundtracks and some of his later songs, he did have sort of a similar note progression. Mm -hmm. in certain tracks like for like the town themes and stuff like that but that might just be more his age was affecting it than anything yeah but like regardless of all like that and like whatever your opinions of the man wrote music for the series for 35 years and was always able to put out some really fantastic tunes even like Mm -hmm. dragon quest 11 soundtrack is divisive i know that yeah but I would not say that like there was like a like an absolutely god awful song on that game soundtrack.
0: Yeah.
2: Now it might not sound the best through like the MIDI music that for some reason exactly. they always used. Uh-huh. Um, but when it comes to like the symphonic renditions most of them are pretty good. There's only a few where I would say like, oh, you maybe they should have changed the horns, um, you know, le- uh, their volume a little bit or maybe made the drums a little more you know, louder here or there, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that could totally be how whoever arranged it. Like, there's, I don't know if uh, Sugiyama does that sort of thing. But uh, anyway, all my rambling aside, it was definitely, you know, surprising to hear about it. You know, I've looked up his legacy both, you know, before we found out this news and, you know, now looking into it a bit more like of some of the other stuff that he's done besides Dragon Quest. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting. Like what was one of, one of the things I read was that even though, you know, he chose to write for Dragon Quest, that he really enjoyed, you know, seeing uh, other games and like what other music sounded like in them. Mm-hmm. And like the other composers were even aware of that sort of thing, because there's a quote that I read uh, from Uematsu or Nobuo Uematsu once. Where he actually said that, you know, even though he knows a lot of people, you know, really love his work in Final Fantasy and everything like that, that he still sees, um, or at the time, I should say, of the quote, that he still saw Koichi Sugiyama as like the king of writing an RPG soundtrack. Mm-hmm. You know, because he just, I, I could be, you know, paraphrasing a bit here and not remembering how the quote is exactly put. But basically, like Uematsu was saying, that um, Sugiyama's work was able to really reflect the mood of the game, you know, just so well. Mm -hmm. So he saw him as like the king of RPG sound of soundtrack making. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, a lot of people, especially here in the West, you know, hold Uematsu to such a high level. So, you know, hearing the man say that about Sugiyama, who a lot of people just like kind of roll their eyes at, at least mainly from Western audiences, as far as I've seen.
0: Yeah.
2: I think that just shows, you know, how much respect like a lot of musicians have. Right. And, and, you know, in another case for talent. Yeah. In another case of that's like that, too, when I was uh, back in high school, our band director was looking for some suggestions for songs. And at the time I was, you know, getting more back in the dragon quest. And there was, I don't remember what song it was, but I just randomly said like, Oh, well, you know, what about, you know, this one I played it for him. He's like, Oh, that'd be interesting. I mean, and I figured he was going to tell me like, he had no idea who, uh, Sugiyama was or you mm-hmm. know, what the song was. My band director, like he's not even a video gamer that much. And he knew, you know, who Sugiyama was. Mm-hmm. So, it was interesting to hear that because I figured for sure he was just going to be like, well, I have no idea who this is. Mm. So it it was just interesting then that somebody who's not even, you know, that big into video games is, was aware of, you know, the man's work. Yeah. So I think that speaks uh, a lot of uh, volumes for Sugiyama as a musician, because, mm. like, that's what I've always loved the man for. Uh, yeah. I've always loved him because of the music that he writes. You know, I've it's probably a case of, uh, you know, separating the art from the artist or however you want to put it. But I mean, that's, what's always kept me coming back to listening to uh, dragon quest and thinking about the series so much. Cause I listen to dragon quest music, like almost on a daily basis, yeah. like whether it's listening to one of the individual soundtracks or uh, putting on one of my playlists, like typically like when I go to sleep, I'll put on like one of my relaxing music playlists and dragon quest. Uh, excuse me. I have one for dragon quest specifically. And, that's usually the one i go with so like even on my ipod not counting that playlist like my top 25 most played songs are all from dragon
0: quest <laughs> <laughs> i definitely so, i have got the same i've got like a, a playlist on my ipod that's like it's the orchestral for just one through four it's called the the koichi Sugiyama nes mix uh i've got a symphonic one uh, i've got Uh, classical, non-gamer friendly. So like for my wife, if we want to just listen to classical music, (laughs) I'll Mm -hmm. put uh, I'll put that one on. And it's it's mainly like the softer themes that just sound like straight up classical music and not necessarily like an aggressive battle or a a cave, you know, spooky caves, cave song or something like that. Oh, Um, you know
2: what? You talking about that. that just reminded me of uh, something funny from like six years ago. So one of my old jobs, our music system uh, completely borked out and we ha- were waiting for the longest time for somebody to come and fix it. Well, one of mm-hmm. our coworkers had a cable that he was able to plug into the sound system and connect it to his iPod and play music through that. Well, then we all started realizing that, hey, we can plug in our own iPods and play music through there until the music system gets fixed. So I ended up taking my iPod, made picked out my playlist of Dragon Quest music of you know all the um, this is before 11 came out. So it was Dragon Quest one through ten uh, Symphonic Suites. And when I would be at work, that would play for like my eight hour shift. <laughs> and mm-hmm. you know what? All of my managers and everybody we work with that said, oh, this is really good music. And I never told them what it was from. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, oh, this is really nice, like uh, orchestra music. What's this from? I'm just I'd always just be like, oh, it's from a, um, a like a series that you can find. You know, I, I just yeah. <laughs> I never told them it was from a video game. <laughs> yes. But the, I mean, uh... that was just the quality of the music of Sugiyama's music, where you know, with, even without even knowing that it's from uh, a video game, it's still very enjoyable, you know, classical styled sounding music. Like, even the battle themes and the you know, the yeah. cave themes, you know, they all yeah. do such a great job evoking uh, emotions and
1: you know, creating
2: this atmosphere when you listen to it. Like, um Good example for uh, for my own or for myself in that in that regard. Um, before I ever played Dragon Quest Seven, because that was the last uh, mainline game I had to play uh, prior to Eleven um, ever coming out, uh, I ended up listening to the orchestral version of the soundtrack on YouTube, and you know it was interesting listening to it and hearing you know what the style of the music was from Seven uh, at the time, and not knowing how the con how you know how it fit into the context of the game itself. And then when I ended up going and listening to it more and more, you know, I found more appreciation and, like, enjoying, like, sort of the moods that it would create. Or, like, um, like honestly, my favorite example of that is the tower theme from that game, Screams from the Tower of Monsters. So normally in, well, at least in the PS1 version of the game anyway, how it worked was that depending on what floor you were on, the song would change. Kind of like how mm-hmm. in Dragon Warrior 1, depending mm-hmm. on what floor of a dungeon you were in, the music would uh, alter itself. It was that sort of a, a song change. Mm-hmm. Well, listening to the symphonic version, it starts off, you know, really quiet, just with like uh, really quiet um, violins, a little bit of bells, like just like string plucks, pretty much. Well, then as the song builds, you hear the strings, instruments start to go like they do the crescendo, they crescendo right. yeah, 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 their, their yeah. sound. I thought of the word, (laughs) but um, (laughs) like the strings will crescendo themselves and like you have other instruments to start to take over like the melody and like it grows and it grows. And then at the end, it starts to really quiet down again, you know, kind of like how like if you were going through a tower in a Dragon Quest game. Um, how it was like if you would start at the bottom things would be quiet but then as you go up and up you know you're getting higher and higher and then you might start working your way back down or you fall through a trap um, a trap door or you accidentally walk over a bottomless pit and then all of a sudden oh now you're back down at the bottom hmm. so it was interesting listening to that before you know having the context of where it would fit in in the game and how like like long before knowing about how the song changed uh, depending on what floor you were on that was a cool discovery to find out about uh, when I started playing the the game itself. But, you know, even without that context, the song still was able to invoke that sort of feeling. And sort of that, like, how the, how the notes, or excuse me, how the strings did that crescendo thing I was talking about, how yeah. that gave me the feeling, like, when I first started hearing the song, that there was, you know, some sort of a terror that was coming out after you. Hmm. And, like, there was something, like, maybe lurking around the corners or, like, you were feeling, like, the uh, gust of wind, like, blowing uh, blowing at your back and could, like, you know, kind of threaten to push you over the side if you weren't careful. Hmm. You know, that, that sort of, you know, that's the sort of thing that I'm getting at with, uh, you know, how it's able to invoke emotions and stuff. And I yeah, had the same yeah. thing with Dragon Quest Eleven soundtrack. I listened to that whole thing Symphonic sweet wise long before I ever played the game. And it was so cool then to, you know, get those... Uh, mental images in my head of how they would fit and see how they fit into the game, and in the most cases, it did fit with you know what I heard. So that was really cool. <laughs> but um, I'll quit rambling. But that's I mean <laughs> that's kind of my two cents on that. Like that's why I've always loved um, Sugiyama's music so much. Yeah, and yeah. It was, it's definitely a darn shame to hear that he passed away. And you know, I, I definitely do you know hope for the best for you know his friends, his family, and his loved ones because. You know, say what you will, and I know that there's people who think badly about him without knowing all of the details and the all the context and stuff. And I'll admit that I've had that too. But really, when you when I think of the man, I think of the guy who brought us, you know, so many fantastic tunes. He never let his personal life, you know, affect um, what he created for the series. And I'm glad that he was able to work on the series for as long as he was. And you know i hope whoever does end up taking over for him is able to you know still create those sort of mood and atmosphere but hmm. i think a lot of fans and even people who aren't into the dragon quest series you know they're they're going to miss him
0: yeah oh hey so that's he... a oh go ahead
2: no uh, just no, no hey, know, hey. he was such a big part of the series and even if you aren't a fan of dragon quest like you're and you're so like you can just you hear his music and enjoy his music like that's yeah. one of the best things i think about um, sugiyama's pieces and his work is that yeah. it just really can transcend all audiences of all kinds
0: and it's 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 pretty technically complex i don't know if you've uh, heard any of the piano scores even uh yeah. Uh, just some of the rhythms in it are uh, even stuff that I I thought would be easy to pick up by ear um, is still kind of difficult because uh, there are different rhythms happening Uh, like there's this one tune that I was trying to pick out recently Uh, it was a casino theme that goes like and then the background is. Oh, yeah, that's from Dragon
2: Quest Three.
0: Yes, it's from and and I couldn't remember because it's not it's not in any of the it's not in the NES original. It's from the remake. Starting starting with the Super Famicom remake from the nineties, and 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 so. I started to try to play it, and I was like, "Wow, holy crap! It sounds like it's just going to be some easy, like boogie woogie jazz," and it ends up being um, it en- it ends up being like uh, two different time signatures happening in-, in in each hand. All right, who's who's eating right now? Because that's super to start. <laughs> Okay, so um, moving on, Pendy, I think you were starting to say. Uh, talk about successors for a little bit
1: oh yeah i was gonna say uh yang is talking about like um who is going to take over for him Uh, briefly mentioning that was a perfect segue for our next section about the successor for Sugiyama and the you know the future of 12 and where where that's going to go in terms of the soundtrack but i and i know that we talked about this in the other podcast but personally i really like uh manami matsume as a possible Mm -hmm. successor for him I mean, she's famous for doing the original Mega Man, and she did the soundtrack for Dragon Quest Swords. Uh, she was wonderful at assimilating the Dragon Quest style while making her own contributions to it. I mean, mm-hmm. honestly, if you play Swords, it would be hard to tell that it's not Sugiyama. So, I mean, that's how uh, good she was at assimilating his Dragon Quest style that he established for so many well, decades, really. Um, and I, I don't think we brought this up uh, last time when we did the, the Sugiyama The other Sugiyama podcast, but I was talking to uh, my friend Jeff, one of the masterminds behind the uh, delocalized Dragon Quest patches for Dragon Quest 1 through 3. And we both agreed that uh, one of Sugiyama's strengths was sad, somber music. Uh, I think this is particularly exemplified in titles like Dragon Quest 5 and 7 that involved a lot of uh, somber tunes. Uh, With the supposed darker direction of Dragon Quest 12, I would bet there's going to be some masterful tracks for setting a dark and and or mournful atmosphere uh considering that uh, they're saying that Sugiyama did do uh, the work on this soundtrack so it'll be interesting to see
0: hmm. yeah i mean I, I would echo uh you know your sentiment from the last episode as well um i did uh, mention manami matsume um i don't know how uh because I, I think yuji hori and maybe it's just too early to say um had no plans for successor uh or if they did you know they they kind of uh he had a writing partner uh i think as early probably nine if not earlier uh he had a he had a writing partner that would help uh with certain scores or i'm not really sure to what extent but uh, i do remember reading about that um so i don't know if that writing partner would would then just kind of step in uh or um uh, or if they would just pick someone completely new um and kind of start fresh and I don't know how that's gonna change the vibe or um, if that person's gonna try to emulate um, the sound uh, but yeah we'll, we'll we'll know I mean we'll we'll know for Dragon Quest 13 I'm sure <laughs> because there's only so much you know so long that they can rehash the same music before people just get tired and fatigued and you know go all platy and mute up mute the entire game
1: <laughs> well I would I would guess I would well at least I would hope that 12. 12- does not emulate the same thing that they, they did in Eleven. I mean, Eleven was was fantastic that they used a lot of older tracks, and it and it made sense because it was. I know this is an overused term, but it, I mean that game was a love letter to uh, many of the Dragon Quest from the past. A lot of you know there was the whole uh, side quest that had to do with all the the past Dragon Quest games. There was the the uh, deep connection to Dragon Quest 1 through 3. So to, mm-hmm. for them to use a lot of older tracks for 11, I, I don't think was because of Sugiyama's age or anything like that. It's just because of the way the game was structured. And it mm-hmm. made sense that they would use a lot of older tracks along with the newer tracks. So I would be... I would actually be very surprised if they did a similar thing with 12. I would I would assume that 12 would have more of a, an original soundtrack than 11, because I don't think they'll repeat themselves with, with doing what they did for 11. But that's that's my, at least that's my opinion on it, or my guess, my speculation.
0: Cool. So, um, uh, Yangus, do you have any thoughts as well on successors? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, um, I said this in the last time we did one of these music focused podcasts, but I'll just keep it brief. Um, I would think a good successor would be Yuzo Koshiro, who's done music for a lot of RPGs and video games for pretty much since the late 80s. When he was uh, doing his uh, soundtracks for the Etrian Odyssey series, he actually looked to Dragon Quest uh, 4 and 5, specifically 5, uh, for inspiration on how to write soundtracks for an RPG since it had been a while since he had uh, written for one. And you can tell that that influenced his style for the Etrian games uh, because of the way his music really invokes that same sort of sense of mood that uh, Sugiyama's music went for. So I think that he would be a good successor for that because uh, uh, Yuzo Koshiro has proved that he is able to write uh, these very, um, I don't know what word I want to use, but these very reflective pieces for you know a setting of an rpg uh even as far back as like the early 90s where he did act razor and things like that so he he would still be my number one choice for a possible successor
0: um so Andy, you had some thoughts in in terms of memories and feelings
1: oh yeah when it comes to uh, Sugiyama, like i will always remember watching him conduct that concert at the tokyo metropolitan theater in japan uh, at the time, he had recently turned 88. I think it was a, a few, a couple, a few months before. And they had a wonderful display set up for him in the concert lobby with some flowers. And they had some balloons that were shaped into an 88. Uh, they did, it, during the concert, they did the entire Dragon Quest III soundtrack. Uh, and it was so funny the way he pretended to leave after they were done with three, only to comically do an about face to come back and do a, a medley of various Dragon Quest tracks to include his... Uh, the expanded overture for Eleven. Um, His music always made you feel like you were on a a grand adventure. It certainly elevated the games to a higher level. Uh, Even with the limited soundboard of the NES for the earlier games, the music just sucked you in to the world of Dragon Quest so effortlessly. Uh, Quest Games were always about creating an atmosphere and a world for you to reside in, and his music always helped to do that so well. Um, I know, uh, Liam, you had been to a concert that featured him as well, correct?
0: Yeah. So, um, so I, I went to a concert in 2017 in Shizuoka called Trio de Quest, um, and it was a, a trio. It was a trumpeter, a pianist, and a trombonist, um, and in the second set they were actually backed by an orchestra. Um, so, uh, we sat about 10 feet from Sugiyama and his wife in the audience um and uh, he would later get up to uh, uh and get up on stage and so they, when they were doing the casino theme I took a little bit of a video um and and posted it to the Westie account a few years ago uh but it's uh, it's him playing the block for the bridge you know da na 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 Da, da, da. and then after that part is done and the horn the uh, trombone starts up again da, 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 da. and then he he just kind of turns around and does this little jig off stage and it was just one of the funniest things i've seen like an old person do
1: uh <laughs> oh, that video that you posted i didn't realize that was from uh the concert that you went to that's hilarious yeah
0: yeah yeah
1: he's yeah, just like he's just like hitting a little a little uh, whatever that whatever it is to make that Artist. yeah
0: it's like a it's like a wood block i forget the name of yeah. the
1: instrument but yeah probably be a wood block <laughs> yeah 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 it's just hitting the wood block that was just he was kind of kind of like getting into it yeah it was funny
0: yeah yeah and uh and he it, it's he had uh he was with his wife and my my wife and i had uh cookies we were going to give to him um and he was sitting so close to us so i was like gosh should i get out and just maybe like tell him thank you for everything you know ask him for i don't know i'm not like really an autograph guy but but uh, I don't know. Like I, I, I was getting nervous, and and so you know, my wife Tomoko and I were just kind of like, ah, oh, he's got a bouncer. That's not usually a sign that he's welcoming guests, you know. So there was actually was his wife cute. his bouncer. No,
2: no. No, the The wife is the bouncer. Excuse me, you can't talk to my husband.
0: But the bouncer was big enough that he could have protected both of them. So (laughs) we didn't we didn't mess with them. But we did hang back at the uh, the backstage door after the show, you know, but it's, you know, in the front lobby. So he just pieced out the back without even, you know, he didn't he didn't greet fans after the show. He just kind of went back to Tokyo. So. So we just went home and ate his cookies. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's not much else we can do. Um, sorry, you didn't want to say hi to us, so you don't get cookies. Uh, but uh, but it, it was uh, it was such an experience. He got up towards the, in the second set when they were backed by the orchestra, and he conducted. Um, pretty much all of the second set. Uh, and it was just, a, it was just amazing. The, it's such a great memory to just have seen Dragon Quest music performed live by the composer. Um, and then, yeah, just in terms of like, uh, feelings, uh, I always have this great memory of, uh, I had played the first two Dragon Warrior games in the, I guess, late eighties, early nineties. Uh, the second one came out, what, 90 in the U S um. And in between Dragon Warrior 2 and 3's release in uh, North America, the Dragon Warrior anime featuring the hero Abel came out. And the English version of that anime had music tracks in it, uh, mostly from one two and three which hadn't been released yet so i'm hearing all of this extra music and then when dragon warrior 3 comes out i sit down and i'm playing the game and i'm like oh my god this is the same music from the show oh my god there's the castle from the show oh my god there's the, the tower um you know with, and it's it's just such an amazing thing to like tie all of that together and have this kind of emotional response of playing the game the first time uh, and having that connection to the music first. Um, And then there was even one or two tracks. I remember the balloon theme showing up in some later episodes so they even had music on file from four that they put in this american anime and now i'm watching the japanese version none of that is in there it's all they didn't use any of Suzugiyama's music for um for the japanese version except uh the end theme and the opener uh and maybe a couple of music interludes here and there but for the most part it was original scoring from somebody else uh and it wasn't memorable it's not it doesn't have the same vibe, but the U.S. version, Dragon Warrior anime, that went for 13 episodes before it was pulled down for all sorts of uh, legal reasons involving Toriyama's um, art credits and their lack or lack thereof. The English version had actual Dragon Quest music, in it, and I think that's, that's a pretty amazing fact, even though we didn't get all the episodes and dubbed in English. Nice. How about you, Yengis?
2: Well, I kind of already set my thoughts on some of the things you guys are talking about, like how we relate the music with, um, you know, here in Dragon Quest um, one through six music and Dragon Warrior Monsters back as when I was a kid. I remember, I guess, just to kind of elaborate on that part a little bit more. I will say that when I was a kid and first playing Dragon Warrior Monsters, that whenever the song would change to like the different one instead of Never Ending Journey that normally played when you're exploring the dungeons. Mm. um, whenever the song would change that was always like at least from like as a kid you know the cue that okay you're coming up to you know the last floor now or you're almost to the boss monster so you're at almost at the end of the dungeon mm-hmm. and i always remember it like back then like there were some songs when i heard them it was like okay well this one you know kind of makes me you know cautious one of them you know made me feel like ooh, you know there's like a mystery waiting and i i still remember the one where um you actually have to fight a Oh, I believe it's a, a Gigante's. Um, it's, it's at the end of one of the I forget where it is. It's not one of the ones that you it's an optional one. That's what it is. Uh, it's an optional one that you can go into. And when you get to that floor, you see the Gigante's standing uh, kind of towards the center of the screen. But you have to walk along the right path, because otherwise, if you fall the wrong, you hit the wrong spot. You fall through the floor and you got to start all over. Um, anyway, you get to him and the song that's playing in the background is the overworld theme from Dragon Quest II, uh Endless World, at least the first part of it, where it's just the hero by himself or when the hero is just uh, with uh, his cousin, Canuck. Yeah. So, you know, that song, it's more like done, dun done, dun. dun, dun 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 you know it's not like a cheery song it's more like you know that there's you know kind of trouble coming and i remember that the whole time when doing that and trying to get to the Gigantes, it was just like oh man you know this is you know so like as a kid i'm like oh this is so difficult And this song is you know making me feel like you know this is a real like test so it was interesting then when eventually playing Dragon Quest II, and you know finding out that it was it's con- considered one of the more harder games in the series, <laughs> especially since you start off with a character who can't learn any magic and has mm. to keep buying medical herbs to heal himself. <laughs> mm. It's like, yeah, this is kind of a challenge. <laughs> I see why this song was used in that part of the game, <laughs> but. Um, Yeah, so I don't really have I I don't have any notes written down unfortunately for you know things that I immediately think of, but really you know Pendy really said it best where Dragon Quest music makes you feel like you're going on that big adventure and like I remember when I was a kid uh, when hearing like the music of dragon warrior monsters one and two, mm-hmm. especially uh, the the main overworld themes you were here whenever you were exploring one of the key worlds uh, and, and dragon warrior, Mo- dragon warrior monsters two case, I should say with the key worlds that it always had that sense of like, you know, there's an exciting new world for you to explore. Uh, you know, there's tons of things you can find items on the ground monsters to recruit. You know, there's there, you know, tons of possibilities. Mm. And that's what has always made those songs stick with me, even like years later, or like whenever, um, I would go to the starry night shrine in order to breed monsters together to create new ones. Uh, That song, that's probably one of my favorite uh, Sugiyama pieces because like even years later, like without having played the games, that song is still just like, so glued into my head. I could, you know, hum it like right now. (laughs) Um, And it just instantly takes me back to the times where I would be, you know, sitting at home As a little kid, I'd have my Dragon Warrior Monsters 2 book, you know, sitting on my lap. I'd be going through the back of it, um, looking to see how I could breed my monsters, you know, create new ones that I didn't have or what I could use to, you know, build up to this new monster. And that song was like such a perfect piece for that because it gave you like that song of like excitement. Like, oh, there's, you know, again, it's like the overworld theme uh, stuff I was just talking about. You know, I was like, oh, there's tons of possibilities. You know it's really exciting. You know there's there's a lot you can do and there's a ton you can see. You know you just have to you know go for it, and that's what I always liked about uh, those songs in particular when I was younger. Uh, When I got into the main series uh, finally years later, which I've talked about that before on the podcast, so I'm not going to bring it up again. Um, When I played Dragon Warrior three on the Game Boy Color, um, that which was one of the first mainline games that I got into, it was interesting hearing you know this dragon quest music in that same sort of sound format that i heard as a little kid because it was like oh you know this is like same sort of um feelings and uh invoking this style that i was reminded a lot of when i was a kid like when you actually funny enough liam when you uh brought up uh boogie woogie in the bar from before that Mm -hmm. was added in the dragon quest three remakes that was one of the songs that when i heard it when i went into uh the first Pachisi track that you can find Mm-hmm. Or even in the first um, uh, monster arena, you can go into. As soon as I heard that song, I immediately had sort of like a flashback to Starry uh, to the Starry Night Shrine music mm-hmm. because it had that same sort of like exciting feel to it. Because it's like ooh you know, what's going on here? You know, what's, what's like, what are the possibilities?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I actually forgot. I thought that was from eight for, you know, uh, for a while, but, uh, and so I'm trying to figure out what, you know, where, where's this song from? And I'm checking every casino theme that I could find or mm-hmm. every type of not, not necessarily casino, but kind of like gambling theme that I could find. And, uh, and then it, it, it hit me that it was from from 3, uh, but it wasn't in the NES version. I, and I literally just went back to my uh, my NES emulator and then loaded my last save and I was right in front of Zoma. So I exited the room and peaced out because you can't cast outside when you're right standing right in front of Zoma. <laughs> um, so then I, I went all the way back to Romilly and uh and went downstairs into the fight arena, and it was just the castle music playing. So it was like, oh, wow, so that's that's legitimately new music. i I, I completely forgot that that was a new theme um, because it's it's just it's been so long at this point that it feels like it was always there. Mm-hmm. Um, let me see. there's
2: I kind of already shared some of my other memories and feelings about uh, Sugiyama and his works and you know previous things why I I'd talked about earlier in this in this episode. Hmm. So I guess just to finish things off, um, I can tell you that from, (laughs) that from like all of the Dragon Quest soundtracks, uh, that I own and the ones I've listened to a lot, I would probably say like the one that does like have the most, um, value to me for how it sounds and just like you know what it reminds me of uh would probably be uh dragon quest uh three and fours Mm -hmm. because those were the those were the first two mainline games that i got into when i was uh finally checking out the mainline series and Mm -hmm. i remember in particular with it's dragon fest actually you know i'm going to change my answer i'm going to say dragon quest fours and i'll tell you why so when i first um picked up the DS uh, version of the game and popped it into my uh, DS, you know, the, the same evening I bought it. I'm like, okay, you know, let's um, check, you know, let's check this one out and see what it's like. I didn't expect that when I started the game up, it was going to have a full, a full orchestral rendition of the Dragon Quest Overture. <laughs> and I have to tell you from only ever hearing that song up to that point, um, only in, a Game Boy Color 8-bit rendition in Dragon Warrior Monsters One and Two, and Dragon uh, Warrior Three. Just prior, before playing Dragon Quest Four, it was kind of mind-blowing to hear that song in a fully orchestral style. It was like, what is this? <laughs> like, I'm not gonna lie. I had like the biggest grin on my face when that, you know, kicked in, and the trumpets blare out at the beginning. It's like, da 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 it was so cool. I I can't describe how how crazy it was to hear that because after hearing that song, like only in that eight bit Game Boy style for so long, for so many years, it was so crazy to hear that with the full orchestral style. And that's when I started to learn about like the symphonic suites for the games and everything. And I learned like the rendition that's in the beginning of Dragon Quest Four DS is from uh, the Tokyo Metropolitan Symphonic Suite. And it was like, oh, it's so cool. You know, they they did Mm. this. And I remember like when I wasn't playing the game, I would try and find that rendition of the overture online and I could never find it. And it was just like, Mm. oh, no. <laughs> like, I want to about... listen to it whenever I want it, whenever I want to.
0: You're talking about the extended version of we the theme? About
2: extended version.
0: So the uh, the very first soundtrack of the Tokyo Metropolitan Symphony. No, Orchestra. I'm talking about
2: Dragon Quest IVs.
0: Oh, OK. I don't get yeah, dra- yeah, that one.
2: No, that's just like the rate It just loops it twice like it normally does. OK, no. Yeah, I'm talking about that version specifically. Hmm. Like, honestly, that's probably my favorite rendition of the Dragon Quest Overture is the one that's featured in four, because I like how it focuses more on the brass side of things. Yeah, yeah. and I, I am a brass player. So admittedly, I like that. But it has that lower brass sound to it. So that's why mm-hmm. I enjoy it so much.
0: Do you have um, to do you, did you enjoy the in brass soundtracks? They had in brass and in brass Two. in brass one. In brass one was uh, is essentially uh an all brass uh, band, so no strings. Um, I probably
2: heard them on YouTube, but no, I don't own them.
0: okay, yeah, I'll see if I can get you copies of that because that's uh that's that's if you're you know you're a brass player, so I think you'd really enjoy those. So it, it, the first soundtrack is is selections from one through three and then in brass two is all four. Yeah. Um, and it's uh they they do do. They don't do the full like the the one thing that I've never heard um, in a Dragon Quest IV soundtrack is the full ending theme. Um, so if you if you play through Dragon Quest IV and you watch the ending, there are all these different musical interludes that call back to the music from every chapter, um, and. They never add that in to it, it, it interrupts the closing uh, fanfare. Um, they never add that in to the soundtracks um, like it is in the games. But the In Brass 2 soundtrack comes kind of close to that, um, if I remember correctly. So it's worth it's definitely worth listening to.
1: You know what was also surprisingly good was that, that recent ukulele album that they did. I, I got oh, that. Oh, yeah. Cool. I through the whole thing and i was i was like oh this is, this is goofy ukulele but it was it was surprisingly good it's very uh it's very peaceful it's it's fun to listen to i i, I recommend the album to anybody that's into the the music i liked it awesome
0: yeah i, I haven't heard that yet but I've, I've definitely seen it and they have the sheet music too if you ever want to go learn ukulele um <laughs> but uh but yeah that, that always looked really cool i have to see if that's still available um so I, I I you know, I was uh I'm still still kind of in mourning over over the loss of Tsuyama, as we all are. So I went to the Dragon Quest themed uh, cafe that's uh, in town here, um, or just down the edge of, edge of town. It's uh, called Coco Legato. Um It's uh, it's run by a uh, a fan, a Dragon Quest fan who has all of his like memorabilia, and he's got a little play area for kids with slimes in it and stuff. And uh, and they were closed for coronavirus; they weren't open to the public. And then when my wife called and said, "You know, hey, are you guys open?" He opened for us because <laughs> because we've been going there so often. He knows us, so he, you know, he's like, "Yeah." I, I reached out to him on on Instagram the other day, you know, just offering condolences over Sugiyama Sensei and everything, and and you know, he he he. he's like yeah i thought you guys needed this so we opened for you so we get there and he's got the dragon quest uh five soundtrack orchestral soundtrack uh concert with sugiyama conducting it uh playing on the ps4 on this tv and, and the table is laid out there for us um and uh in the in this like section that's a little bit off from the side from the uh from like the eating tables uh they've got like some couches and stuff and a table there where we usually sit because we've got the two kids and everything and we watched the entire concert it was like a two-hour concert while we were um while we were eating and uh i i was remarking at like how often and this is like something you know I, i don't watch too many of the concerts so i'm not used to seeing this but five had a lot of flute and clarinet solos in it like the they featured flute and clarinet a lot where it was just the just a solo artist uh slow a solo uh flautist or a solo clarinetist um leading the melody and i just thought that was interesting and i don't remember seeing that too often in in some of his other um music scores but now it kind of made me want to see more live concerts um and i mean recordings of live concerts obviously
1: yeah and uh, i forgot that's right they have uh that that concert of five on blu-ray if i remember yep
0: yeah Now i don't know if it's the same one they replaced released on blu-ray this one this particular one came with the uh the 25th anniversary book uh, oh, okay. About about Koichi Sugiyama, um, which at this point is now ten years old and probably like crazy expensive. But uh, oh, good, I have that. <laughs> oh, you do? Yeah, nice. Yeah, um, yeah I, I wouldn't mind picking it up, um, particularly get the DVD or you know, um, you know, borrow
1: it and maybe forget to return it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I picked that up uh, when I was in one of my trips to Japan.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's a that's a good find. Uh, I didn't realize it came with a DVD. I might have uh, I might have otherwise picked it up earlier. I have the Koji Sugiyama book that's like big and and um, it's kind of beige looking.
1: Oh no, that's the one I have. Because uh, I was going to oh, say, oh, that's the one. Yeah, because I have the beige one because that comes with a. It doesn't come with a DVD, but it comes with a, a CD of select titles.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, this this one is different. I'll post a I'll post a picture of it and we can put it. Yeah, in the I didn't YouTube know about version.
1: that. I didn't know about that other one. That'd be interesting to, to look at. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It has some dark stuff in it. My wife was reading to me like parts of him growing up. I won't mention on the podcast it's actually oh. it's actually a super freaking bummer. And I don't wanna you know, I do we're already talking about uh, you know, the loss of Tsugiyama sensei. I don't want to bring this down even further. Well, like, I mean uh, he was
1: born in like nineteen thirty one, so he lived yeah, in exactly.
0: Yeah, he grew up during World War Two. So that's 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 the extent of it. That's all I'm gonna okay. say. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, so but anyway, um, so uh, we did want to um, read some testimonials uh, from denizens um, that uh, that we that had submitted. We, we kind of threw it out there. Um, hey, we're going to be doing this tribute to Koji Sugama. Uh, do you guys have any thoughts uh, and reflections um, on, on his music? So, uh, Pendy, why don't you start with Fates?
1: Yeah, so this is from Fates. Um, Fates says, amazing musician with bad politics, but his music can exists separately to that since it's mostly symphonic work no substantial lyrical content to convey messaging of any kind to tell future listeners of the politics he's aligned with is just the music at that point heaven from Dragon quest 5 is one of the most amazing things i've heard in my life and really helped me to get through the early 2010s when i was at my worst
0: yeah i'm kind of glad he doesn't have a lot of lyrics uh, <laughs> that's a good point Mm -hmm. Uh, Megalosaro uh, writes, uh, Koichi Sugiyama is the reason I enjoy music. Uh, He's the reason I learned how to play piano. Uh, He wrote some of my favorite pieces. To me, his greatest work is on uh, Idion, Be Invoked. Uh, It's probably the greatest movie soundtrack I've ever heard. Uh, His Dragon Quest stuff is amazing. I think Seven was probably his best work in the series. Uh, But it's really hard to say. For example, I love the battle theme from Nine. Um, I've been searching... I, I've been kind of uh, bracing myself for this news for a long time. He was very old, so it's hard to say he's gone too soon. But I'll be sad that he won't be doing any more music nonetheless. Uh, even his most mediocre work was at least had some merit. Um, he was a pioneer that paved the way for a lot of other talent. The industry would not be the same without him.
2: All right. Craft right, uh, writes... Uh, His mark on video game music will reverb throughout history, just like Kondo, Tanaka, and Uematsu, just to say a few memorable composers. While some did not like it being played, the fact that his music ended up at the Olympics with other musicians speaks volumes unto itself.
1: And next is... uh... Hiroshi uh, Hir- Hiroshi 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 thank you so with how much Hiranoshi? anime
2: you watch Pendy I'm surprised you can't read those
1: names easier <laughs> so but no I'm I, no <laughs> oh, yes. Hiroshi writes uh, I always try to connect on a spiritual level with the composer whenever I'm listening to music and if there's anything that can be said about Sugiyama is that you can tell he truly loved everything he worked on You can hear his undying passion for the series, his ups and downs while struggling to keep the high quality standards he himself ended up creating, his professional quirks, which are to be expected due to the classical training he received, which, when matched with the video game industry as it was back then, made for one bizarre marriage, and yet one that gave us some of the most iconic pieces of music to ever be put on a cartridge that we still hold dear, dear, sometimes after decades. His advanced age didn't stop him from pulling all out, and even when he started to embrace the concept of recurring tracks from past games, he still wanted to give players something with each release. The boss theme for Dragon Quest X, with all your might, represents to me both musically and quite literally the reason why I genuinely admire his work. His ability to Persevere and compose tracks that will pierce the heart of many people around the world and become something they will never forget, even when facing the fact that his own journey was probably coming to an end. From the very first Dragon, from the very first Dragon Quest game to where we are now, I could always to be through all of the soundtracks he produced, and that's something I have to credit for. Something I deeply respect. It's something I'm glad I could be a part of, even if just as a silent spectator. <laughs>
2: We'll say, hero, you wrote a darn good piece. <laughs> you definitely invoked a lot of things that I'm sure a lot of people said that um, that a lot of people would say. Excuse me, but you yes. know, sometimes people just can't quite put into words what they want. And I think just to, before we move on to Jay's, I just I, I did want to just say that because hearing all of that and even reading it on the den, it was like, wow, that really you know hits kind of deep. Yeah, that was very eloquent. Yeah, what he wrote. <laughs> Yes. Uh, Anyway, Uh, so moving on, we have Jay, who used to be called Jay the Hawkheart Ace. Uh, He... uh, Jay writes, he was always just the guy who did the Dragon Quest music for me. People may complain that the recent games use a lot of the old music, but let's be real. There's a reason why. It's good stuff and has aged well.
1: So I know... um, what we wanted to close out with is uh, I found an article where someone was able to translate the, uh, the final thoughts from Akira Toriyama and Yuji Hori about the passing of uh, Sugiyama. So we'll read those as well. The first one is from Akira Toriyama. He says, uh, he said, I was surprised to hear about the death of Sugiyama sensei from the impression I had when I met him just a few years ago I thought of him as a sorcerer with eternal life, in a good way. The overall image of Dragon Quest was determined by a number of wonderfully impressive masterpieces by Sugiyama Sensei, who has loved games since way back then. It is no exaggeration to call them that. It was a great honor to work with you for a long time. I pray for your soul from the bottom of my heart. And, and just to remind us of that, it's insane to, to know that these three people, these three titans of the Dragon Quest series... Akira Toriyama, Yuji Hori, and, and Sugiyama. They've worked on these games for decades, but yet like Toriyama and Sugiyama didn't actually meet each other until a few years ago. It's, uh, it's interesting to know, and it's kind of insane.
2: <laughs> yeah, and uh, Toriyama, uh, we'll, pr- we'll see if we can get a picture of it for the YouTube version, or maybe we can even use it for the thumbnail of uh, this video or excuse me, of this video, of this podcast, but uh, Toriyama actually drew a picture of uh, Koichi Sugiyama on his 88th birthday, and in the same article that uh, Pendi had shared with us where these um, thoughts from uh, Toriyama and uh, Yuji Hori came from, uh, it includes a picture of that, and it shows um, Sugiyama at the age of Uh, 88, like we said, Uh, it shows him composing, and he's wearing an outfit that's actually pretty similar to Dragon Quest III's uh, Heroes outfit. It's just more of an orangish-yellow color. Uh, He's composing, he's got a baton in his hand, and there's these uh, different colored slimes that actually look like different musical notes. And so it was kind of a nice little thing that uh, Toriyama drew for uh, Sugiyama for his birthday at the time. I think it must have been after they had uh, finally met face to face, because what was it? They met around the time that Dragon Quest XI was coming out, or do we do we have like an an idea of when they met?
1: I think it was around the time of eleven. It might have. I'm not sure if it was for that uh interview special that i saw where they had all three of them in the same room and they were talking about like how they worked on 11 and like their past i don't know if that was the first time or maybe it was shortly before that but yeah it was around the time of um like right after or before 11 had been made something mm-hmm. similar somewhere, somewhere
2: around there okay well, maybe then Toriyama or yeah, Toriyama took the chance to make that little caricature of him,
1: and it's it's a really
2: nice little picture. Hopefully, we can get it into the podcast somehow. It's it is a nice little thing, and I think the message in it that Toriyama wrote to him was just like uh, you know wishing you the best, and you know here's to the future, you know something like something to that regard, and like jokingly after he put um, here's hoping we make it to Dragon Quest eighty <laughs> eight because it has like the Roman numerals for the number eighty eight. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so it was just kind of a fun little nod to to Tor, uh to excuse me to Sugiyama, you know, turning 88 that year. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of a you know, fun little uh joke then. Yeah. <laughs> and it it is a very cool picture. I forget who originally shared it with us on uh the Dragon's Den Discord, but seeing that it was like, Oh, that's really cool that you know Toriyama made that. But uh sorry, uh, sorry, Penny, I'll let you keep going on to the next quote. No, then. no, no,
1: that was that was that was good. I, I was talking about the whole background behind it, so that was that was cool to hear as well. Um, but to close out, uh to close out with the creator of Dragon Quest, it comes out with Yuji Hori. Uh he says I'm really sorry to hear of Sugiyama Sensei's sudden passing. For 35 years after making the first Dragon Quest, Sugiyama Sensei has brought the spirit of his music to the world. As a master composer, he wrote a lot of really great songs. Dragon Quest will continue to be played with his music. Such a master should continue to live in the hearts of all players. Sugiyama Sensei, thank you very much for being here for such a long time.
0: Wow. And, uh, thank you guys for, uh, for joining us to discuss, uh, Sugiyama's legacy. Um, not only that, but thanks to our listeners for journeying with us. So that's it for this episode of slime time. Um, there's a word that we don't, or that
2: <laughs> I'm trying to quote Platy now from we <laughs> do side quest. Um, some the script, we don't use Patreon. We're just longtime fans that want to speak about the game series. We know and love so much. If you have, uh, money you would like to donate, consider heading over to the Dragon's Den at www.wudus.com And that's spelled W-O-O-D-U-S, by the way. Uh, backslash den. And click on support this site. Wudus has owned and maintained the Dragon's Den uh, DQ fan site for over 20 years and would appreciate any donation. Or you can use his Amazon affiliate link to make any purchases. And a small fraction of the sale will go to support the den. And a quick note for that one, too. Woodus has actually put in a new little uh, affiliate link like right at the top of the Dragon's Den forum. So if you happen to check out the forum someday and you see this little blue bar at the top with some slimes on it, that's a quick way to click on that, uh, use the affiliate link, and help donate a little bit of money to uh, Woodus and the den With regardless of what you end up purchasing.
1: Yeah, it doesn't cost you anything. It just... Whatever that you buy just happens... A portion of that will go to the site as well. It's a nice little mm-hmm. setup. Uh, for any questions, comments, or to advertise with us, reach out to us at SlimeTimePodcast at gmail.com.
0: And if you have any questions or comments for us, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at DQ Slime Time. Consider joining in tons of DQ discussions at the Dragon's Den forums, uh, one of
2: the few remaining uh, DQ forums still around. Find it from the Dragon's Den main page or at www backslash
1: or come hang out with us and tons of other rabbit dragon quest fans at the dragon's den discord server
2: <clears throat>
1: we'd like to thank everyone that made this possible
2: like Wudus himself for his support of the series and this podcast and for hosting the dragon's den for decades
0: Thanks to Amanda LaPree and the Descendants of Vergic for allowing us to use their music for our podcast. Descendants of Vergic is a video game tribute band from Austin, Texas. Check them out in their most recent album, Advent, at www.descendantsofverdric.com or on Twitter at D.Averdric. And check out Amanda LaPree streaming on Twitch. Thanks to Dwayne Bullock
2: for the amazing artwork cover for this podcast. You can check out more of his work at uh, Dwayne Art on Instagram or his website at dwaynebullockart.bigcartel.com.
1: If you're looking for more Dragon Quest Slime Time, check out our earlier episodes on Dragon's Den, Anchor.fm, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and more.
0: Bye, everyone. Dragon Quest Slime Time, sliming off.